This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery. Do you need to go to rehab? Are you fucked up on drugs? Is your drug habit destroying your life and you don't know where to go? Well, there's a place I heard you could go, and that's Aloe Recovery. It's located in sunny Southern California. It was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friend Evan and their friend Bob. And they created this place so that the drug addict has a safe and compassionate and supportive place to go. It's a place that if you're sick uh, in withdrawal, they'll make your detox comfortable. It's a place if you don't know what to do, they'll send you surfing and to sound bath meditations and to sweat lodge. It's a place that has years and years and years of treatment experience and they treat co-occurring mental illness like SMI. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to California to get help, you go to Aloe Treatment. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at JustCoffee.coop. If you love coffee like I love coffee, then you'll love Just Coffee Coffee. They make delicious coffee and they practice social justice from the grounds up, which means if you care about that stuff, they make sure that the growers in South and Central America get a good price on their coffee beans, which is very nice. But just as important, if not more important, they make delicious coffee. If you want to support the show... Buy Just Coffee Coffee and use the, the code DOPEYPOD in the code section and they'll give you a discount on the coffee and tell them you really, really, really want to see the Dopey Podcast Coffee Blend as much as I do. And I would love to see it with uh, Dominican chocolate and notes of, uh, of something else. But I would like it to be a Dominican origin coffee with dark chocolate notes. That's justcoffee.coop. Check it out. And most importantly, this episode of Dopey is brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation. You can support the show by giving money to uh, the Dopey Podcast Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash dopey. You can give as little as two bucks a month. You can give as much as a hundred or you don't have to give anything at all. Do whatever you want. Let your freak flag fly. I don't care. Or you can buy stickers by Venmoing me at Dopey Podcast. Or you can buy hats by also Venmoing me at Dopey Podcast. Or you can buy t-shirts at DopeyPodcast.com. Enough, enough, enough with ads. Here is the show.
Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. And here we are at my father's house, and we are joined by my very close friend, Jim. Well, hello, everyone. You're going to welcome welcome Jim. Welcome. Welcome, welcome me. And I was going to welcome the Dopey Nation to another week of Dopey. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful for me to have Jim on the show. Jim is one of my very best friends and has been one of my best friends for the past... Like 30 years? 30, yeah, since we were, yeah, we were 13, we're This 43. is the 30th, an, this is the celebratory 30th anniversary of our friendship, Jim. I, I, I think, it, were we 14 or 13? I think around there, whatever. 30, you know, this 31. is also the 30th anniversary of the film When Harry Met Sally. Did you know that? Right, which is, oh, should I not? Yeah, you don't need to, but I'm just okay. telling you it's interesting, because I don't remember seeing that movie when I was that age. <laughs> I, I saw it. I I knew am I I can't say the obvious connection that it is. You can say whatever you want. Well, we both worked at the same deli that where they had that scene. So, uh, but it, not then. Yes, then. No, 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 no. I got. I'm, it was that summer. I got it. Oh, not then. It was later. Many, it was many, many, later. many, many years later. Right. You're right. You're right. Now, one of the most interesting things. And it won't be interesting to anybody. I don't even think it'll be interesting to you. <laughs> but one of the most interesting things to me about um, Dopey and the show and recording and all this stuff is that when, and I've told this story a million times, but I'm going to say it again. When Chris and I started making the show, we just talked into the computer. and Like, literally. We opened the computer and we talked at the computer. And, I, and my rationale was... And it sounded like it. It didn't sound that bad, considering. True, but I mean... It sounded like you were talking at the computer, but in reality, it didn't... The reason I did it was because when I did GarageBand songs, I would record all the parts into the computer mic, and it sounded good. So I was like... Well, you also you kind of like that like tinny, old-school sound, like vinyl sound. You know, you like a little scratch and... I like it to sound like I don't care. You know, that's what I, I like it to feel I mean, like that, I don't that's care. That's going to be on, like, your tombstone, man. That's, that's... I, did I ever tell you, it, Devin, Devin wrote, we have a friend named Devin. He's and been on the show, no? He was. He was in one of the very early episodes. Yeah. He was supposed to come tonight. I thought, isn't he in, like, Alaska? He's in Nova Scotia, but he was supposed to come tonight, and it wasn't... <laughs> did I just say it? But it wasn't until... Um, he had to not because, like, he was going to talk. He has an addict father who just died, right. and we were going to talk about all this stuff. I didn't realize his father was an addict. Well, he had a lot of drug problems. Okay, um, but there's a point. Mm. I don't remember the point. Something about Devin. Fuck. <laughs> I've been doing that more and more lately, where I just like start saying something, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, but. We're old friends. No, something about I'm recording. Do the show. Oh, with mics and in the garage band and oh, you like the old stuff. Your tombstone is going to say that right. you don't give a right. Yeah. So Devin was a right. It was very good, Jim. It was really very, very well done. <laughs> Devin was a novelist or is a novelist, and he wrote uh, his first novel. And I was actually on heroin when he was finning up, finishing up his first novel. And Devin and I were very close. And I said. I want to give you the last line of your first novel. And he said, okay, well, what, what do you want the last line of my first novel to be? And I said, I want it to be, it was the least I could do. And, that, and that's the last line of his first novel. And that could be on my tombstone. 
It was the least I could do. There's a level of irony there. Yes, yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. It was the least I could do. But it implies that you actually did a lot. And but but I think that what you're saying is exactly all right. Exactly, all right. I think you're getting to the the heart of this thing. Yeah. Now Jim has been on the show a few times. Yeah. The first time Jim was on the show, he told a story. Um, I've had my run-ins. I'm, I am definitely not categorized as an addict by any means, but I did dabble a fair bit in in hallucinogens, which probably has had some. You know, actually. I have to say, I, people talk about flashbacks. I wasn't—I didn't think I have any drug stories. This isn't really a drug story, but I definitely have been having flashbacks lately. Talk to me. It happens when, when it's real hot out. When it gets hot and I get dehydrated, something ha- like my brain starts re uh, refiltering my my visual field what I'm seeing. That, I don't know if that makes any sense, but. What does that mean? Refiltering your visual field <laughs> while you're saying I start I, I start tripping a little bit, you know, like like if, when you're taking LSD or shrooms or whatever. You you know, your brain starts to just put different meaning on everything that you see. You know, I mean, I, I mean, and I I took way too much a few times. You uh, with you, I think I've told at least one of these stories with you. We we told the New Year's story at some point. Which was the New Year's story? Well, the one where I took. Uh, I, what, what, I, we had a, we all had mushrooms. What you were downtown and that I was wasn't up, New Year's. Though, that was in the summer. No, that was New Year's. No, we were still at that apartment in the Lower East Side. No, I was up at my mother's. But we were down there. Maybe it was New Year's. I don't. No, know. it was. I, I have it no was New Year's because I ended up. At New Year's Eve in Grand Central. Yeah, yes, yeah, you told yes, that story. Yeah, all right, all right. My favorite, that, my favorite part of that story is where Jim picks up a strange person's baby. No, I try, and then I get punched <laughs> in the face. <laughs> Such a sweet baby. <laughs> Imagine. Like, I have a baby. You uh, have a baby. Too. Imagine I if you... I would you, punch the guy in the face. Would you? you? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't punch him. You'd be like, what are you doing, man? I I don't you, I, I would leave I would yeah, I would take yeah. the baby and leave. You would not punch the guy, the guy in the face. I don't know if it's like late. I don't know. Have you ever punched anybody in the face? No. You you would have seen yourself and you'd be like, "Are you okay?" You know, like <laughs> easy, take it easy, fella. You know. But, okay. all, all I mean when I say that like, <clears throat> I get these flashbacks is I start. I start imbuing meaning on random things. But I think that I that's see. that's something that you just do though. That you I do you anyway. look you look yeah. for meaning all over the place. But but I start thinking that like I'm being like these are signs and like if it gets real bad I start to I start to it gets a little scared. I get paranoid, it gets a little scared. I mean, the worst it's ever been is when I you know, I'm literally hallucinating and I think people are talking to me who aren't actually talking to me or I I I mean, you remember I you remember no please talk to me i'm listening well um i just remember you know having this long conversation with god or powers that was something but i was getting answers you know and the answers it was a, it was a back and forth conversation and the and the other end of the conversation was being picked up by all the strangers i was bumping into they were just talking to me and and finishing the conversation that we would have back and forth that was that same night Either that night, or there was one other time when something similar. No, I think it was that night. It was that night, and I yeah, I remember these. Th- I, I, I have this image of these three women, and they were all wearing 
they're all wearing primary colors and they they like stopped and like all in unison said, why do you think we're wearing these primary colors? Yeah, that was definitely in your head. <laughs> that definitely didn't happen. And that's the kind of stuff that fucks with you. You know what I mean? And I think it's, I mean, like, can you think of another, is there another tripping scenario that you didn't tell? Is there another, can you think of another like? No, I think the, the other much scarier one was when I was not with, I mean, I was alone in this one, but at least I was in a city I knew. The other one was when I was in California and. That was a really funny one. That was I mean, you I think, and a, I think and black you told, lights. You and told, I, thought, I thought I had, I, I, that was where I thought I had died. And that this was some kind of hell or purgatory, and I was stuck there. But that's kind of what—that's kind of what this flashback is. When it comes back, I, I come back to that moment of thinking that, like, what I think I'm experiencing has is not really what it is. And, and I, I kind of flip into this other. I don't know. I just sound crazy. Well, I think that I mean, like, one thing that I didn't mention is that Jim is a great artist. Jim's a sculptor, um, and he has, like, we were talking about. Um, Ability and Jim Jim kind of diminishes his ability, but Jim is this like insanely talented artist. He can like, I mean, just relax. He, he's like he can he 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 sculpts figurative. Uh, I just I, I I spent a lot of years learning how to do it. But before you did that, you could draw very realistically. You could play the guitar pretty well. You just you had an eye a high acumen for doing stuff. And I think that's that same sort of bandwidth for being a little bit crazy and for thinking things mean things or people are talking to you or <laughs> things are happening. Like I don't ha- I didn't have that experience. Yeah, yeah, I remember there was a dopey story that's like not particularly dopey, but I never told it on the show, but. When I was in college, I, I lived, and this guy is going to come back on the show. Is my my roommate Ryan? Do you remember Ryan? Sure. Um, and Ryan was like, he's, he's he's been on the show. He was on the show. He, he's he's the conspiracy theorist. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, he he has a fucking funny story, uh, and I can't wait till he comes back on the show to tell this story about trying to rip off this drug dealer with me, and we did. But um, me and Ryan tripped a bunch of mushrooms in Ithaca, and. Um, and a bunch of acid, and we tripped all the time. And um, and I was dating this girl, okay? And I, I, when I say dating this girl, I would fool around with her from time to time, and we would walk and talk and stuff. We weren't like boyfriend and girlfriend. We, you know, whatever. And um, and we took mushrooms or acid, and I don't know where I went, but, like, I looked into a room, and Ryan was making out with her. Ooh. And I, and I the, the mushrooms they acid had just come on. Oh no! And I was like oh. insane. Okay, and I la- I was like ah, you know, I was so angry. You know, I was I was crazy, <laughs> crazy angry. Uh-huh. Like like a, a, like you can imagine how yes. how angry I was. Yes, and um, you get very angry at very small things. So something that actually. But then couple actually warranted it. I, I can't imagine what would happen. So what did you do? But couple, I, I went down to. Um, we were at Ithaca College, and there was this. What you didn't? Did you go? Did you? Uh, no, no, I didn't do anything. I um, I went down to. I, I walked away. No, no punching in the face. No, I, I please. I I've never punched anybody in the face. I've never punched anybody That's in the true. face. Um, I walked down to the music school. And I sat outside next to this fountain that was this colored fountain. And it was this insane, you know, color display in the water. And I just lay on this bench 
staring at the fountain and tripping out how I could be betrayed like this and getting angrier and then just like the sort of psychedelic permutations of betrayal and friendship and who is this girl and who is Ryan and who is Mm -hmm. this and what is that? And, you know, of course, I've betrayed people worse than that. You know, I, I betrayed Ryan worse than that, and he never even heard about it. You know, I I I, I, <laughs> I, I hear about it now. Yeah, well, he doesn't want some of this, but um, <laughs> the point is, like, but psychedelics and betrayal don't go well together. Well, any any bad, I mean, because psychedelics just enhance whatever it is you're experiencing. So, well, in your situation, though, in a lot of people's situation, something they create something, something is created. But in that situation, I tripped for probably three hours by myself. In this terrible betrayal loop, and then um, and then I came back and I found Ryan and I confronted him and I was like, "What the fuck, you know?" And I and, I, and then I wound up talking to him for like five hours about it. Oh God, having a conversation like that while you're that's yeah. terrible. It was terrible, but um, <laughs> but you know, and it's not like you know, obviously, it's not the dopiest story. But the but the place, I think it's it's weird, you know, dopey nation. If you've ever had. I, I think stories like that are hysterical. Like when you something happens that shouldn't happen with psychedelics. You know, it's like it's just it creates a very funny thing to me. Um, and where we started this conversation was about the sound quality. And you know, uh, when when Chris and I were alive, I literally I'm sorry when Chris was alive. Why do you make that face? I, it's a weird slip up to. Well, the show is a much different show. The show is much more alive when Chris was alive than it is now. <laughs> it just was. You know, it was different. We were not, different. I wasn't I caught up in like, alive. it was more alive. I don't think that's true. Well, why not? I don't know. I feel like you're much more, like you are more alive and awake to your own life than you were when Chris was alive. Just, just because you're that much further into recovery. Well, I, I, you, like, I just, like, you didn't have the kind of energy or the ambition, like, you didn't, it, you weren't putting what you are now putting into this show then, you know, it, it served a slightly different function for you, I think. You were still, like, you were still stepping out of your, you know, active use. Well, I, I think it was a real, it was like a, an incredibly important tool for you to... I don't know. You, you don't think it served in some ways like a like a, a perfect kind of meeting? No, 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 I don't. I don't. I think that when Chris was alive, I feel like the show was super loose and, uh, and, and pretty stupid. But I really love that. You know, and it, and it was like it was very, very, very like maybe maybe it used to be that the show was more for you. And now the show is a little, maybe a little more for the dopey nation. Like you're thinking more about the audience than you used to. You well, I, I have to. That, that's really the point. It's like yeah. when me and Chris would do the show, he would worry about the sound quality, uh, and and I would kind of like it's all on your shoulders now. And right? I would sit back in my chair and be like, I don't fucking care. Whatever it is, it is. I don't. know. I feel like that does make you more alive to it, though. You know, in a certain way, like you're in charge. You're. I'm not. You know. You're getting me nervous. Um, <laughs> it has always made you nervous taking responsibility for your life. I think that's the basis of your your drug use was to avoid that. That's what's so great about the sh- to me the show and being your friend is watching you progress and take charge of your life and the show and how it you know I think it's that's what inspires so many people. No, 
I don't think so. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I think that people. I think that people like the show because the show captured um, what it's like to be a drug addict and to reflect on using drugs and being sober. But and what it's like to be a recovering addict and how because you changed throughout the years of the show. Chris did too, but you know, and then he stopped because he died. Right. Well, I think I think the point of this is that all of a sudden I'm getting very hung up on sound quality. I started <laughs> I've started right, recording right. I started recording this whole list, all this stuff we're going to do, and we've, we've we've got a good twenty minutes here on sound quality. Well, I've recorded with headphones now, yeah. and it's weird because, like, when I record with headphones, I took them off now because yeah. I felt like I was going to like getting too into the sound or something. But like, it's much different, you know. And it's funny because like the, the like so many episodes, the sound quality is so bad, and um, it's not untrue. And now it's like it's different. Anyway. Um, I had you over because I like the idea of doing an episode. No, I'm just I'm just talking to you like this. Jim, Jim points at me. Look, he's like, he's like, are we he's on? Do I talk, do I do, this thing on? do I talk like that? Do I talk the same on the show and off the show? There isn't that. I mean, when you're animated, I think that's also what's good about the show. It is kind of like you, just you. No. I, I don't know, but I think it's pretty close. But I wanted to do. I, I, I love the idea of Jimmy being on the show. Oh boy! Um, what? I do. Oh, okay. I like you being on the show. Yeah, I like being on the show too. Oh, well, I like I like the idea of uh, of two people doing the show. Uh, you'll hear this show with uh, Nick Flynn was on the show. That was cool. Uh, I have somebody else who sat in and did a show with me. I think that's great. Um, but uh, since I'm very comfortable with Jim, we could kind of do loosey-goosey stuff. And I also figured it would be a way that I could play more of your voicemails than I usually play. Because I be- don't really have anything to say. Because Jim's got nothing to say. <laughs> you know, and you don't have any, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't you don't have any, drug I, stories. Yeah, we've already done them. Like, so. I have, I, I probably have a few more. And I don't think my psychedelic betrayal story is setting the world on fire. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. This punching in the face thing, I... I'm suddenly. This has. It probably never happened. No, I definitely got punched in the face. But uh, I'm just remembering when you got punched in the face. Do you remember those two kids or three? It was this little kid, and he was a super jerk, and he was being a jerk to somebody else, and we stopped him, and then he got his big brother, and his big brother like where wanted to fight us, and we were like hiding in a candy store, and we got we got stuck in that candy store for like an hour on the Upper East Side. Yeah, we didn't really didn't know how to handle the situation at all, and the kid kind of swung at you at once, and you put your arms up, and like we weren't we just weren't capable of taking the bait. Like they really were provoking us; they really wanted us to fight with them, and we just like it wasn't in us. Like yeah, we. we, But I always felt bad that like I didn't stick up for you because you you kind of were you were more the spokesman. You know what I mean? I, think, I don't. I don't I really. Think you were kind of the spokesman for our group often. Like you were just, you know, the way you are now. You're very outspoken. You talk to everybody. Well, I just, I just never. I just don't like to. I don't like to feel something and not say something. Right. I don't really remember what happened in that situation. I don't think it was good though. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't good. I don't remember. I don't really remember what went down. It, it was. There was a little kid, and there were some video games, and the kid was being a real jerk to some other kid, and we we. I think all we did was look at him, and he ran off and came back with his big brother and two other guys, and they were like, "You're messing with our with my little brother," and we we're like, "We didn't even say anything to him," but. 
Anyway. Why did you bring this up? I just the punch in the face. I just felt suddenly felt. Did I get punched in the you face? Got, you kind of got punched in the face. Yeah. And what did I do? Yeah, you put your arms up. I don't know. This is the, this is the, this is the, the worst, worst story. The worst story in the history of Dopey. Right. You, you want to go back and... and um, no, we'll leave it. All right. Um, but let's get to some real Dopey stories. Sorry. This is this is Sorry, a chance. Dopey Nation. If you guys think Jim is terrible, send in an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. That's always, that's always good. Yes. Uh, or if you find Jim to be delightful, send in a... But the, the ones where you say they're terrible, those are usually funnier. I don't. People, for the most part, have liked you. Okay. Well, we'll see. Anyway, so I'm going to play a voicemail. This first one, um, I really liked. It was from this woman named Megan. I'm going to play it. Hi, Dave. This is Megan here in Portland, Oregon, uh, with a pretty innocent little story about. Um, This one time, it was probably about 2012, it was before cannabis was legalized in Oregon, uh, 2016, and um, cannabis was legalized here. Uh, It's legal to grow up to four plants of your own here as well. So I think it's four or six you you can grow. You can grow your own under Oregon's new legalization. But um, before that, my friend was taking over this op in a warehouse um, that was pretty pretty close to the house I was living at in southeast Portland. And I was going back and forth um, from his op, his grow op at night in the summertime to help him out there. And it, it was a really shitty setup and it, it was way too hot. So you'd only go down there at night. Uh, it was this warehouse. It was set up to look like a woodworking space. Um, and then they had this whole false wall in the back uh, where the plants were at. And uh, I only had to walk like maybe 10 or 12 blocks to get down there. But um, Lentz at Southeast Portland has like a reputation. It used to be a really high crime kind of a area it's really it's really dense uh crowded and you know um cheap it's it's the old felony flats and it's it's like uh nothing is cheap here anymore but um but back then it it was still it was still kind of had a reputation and my friend sent me home one night uh he was this older guy kind of fatherly attitude towards me he sent me home he said I don't want you to walk by yourself um, without a weapon. So he sent me home with this little miniature baseball bat that he had that was about like a foot and a half long, and it had a little leather strap on the end of it. It was probably some kind of fetish device. Um, But he sent me home with this baseball bat, and I was walking along up the street, walking out in the road like I would do at night, and... um, Southeast Portland was kind of like the, I mean, it was urban, but it kind of had the hillbilly vibe. So, uh, so this guy comes pulling up to me. I've got this weapon it's supposed to keep me safe at night. And this guy, this guy pulls up to me in his truck, this big, big old beat up pickup truck with a bunch of scrap in the back. And he's got all the windows rolled down and he's holding the meth pipes, um, 
smoking a hit off the meth pipe. And he, he says, hey, what, what, you know, what you doing? Where are you going? You want to hit off this pipe? <laughs> I didn't take it. Um, that's why it's an innocent story. But, you know, I, I saw, well, wow, if I, if I walk around at night carrying a baseball bat, you know, people really walk up to me and offer me free drugs. But uh, I didn't take it. I've never, uh, never enjoyed meth. The few times I've used it, cut in with ecstasy, other pills, I, I didn't enjoy it. I was reflecting on this story, and I, I thought, I think that, uh, I don't know if it's like this for you guys out there on the East Coast, but everyone's talking about the opioid epidemic the last five, ten years, and... I think that uh, uh, longer term, Oregon, especially rural Oregon, uh, where I'm from, and the rural, rural areas across across the states and maybe other places too, have had a methamphetamine epidemic for for a lot longer than this opioid epidemic has been happening, and it, it doesn't doesn't necessarily kill people from overdose, but meth definitely. Um, definitely changes lives I know that my my dad my family my in my in my family my dad has been pretty heavily altered by his amphetamine use and just seems like you know it so many people around us um in my in my community where I lived in rural Oregon growing up were um were affected by by meth use even even functional meth users, um, you know, are really, really altered by that drug. But, uh, yeah, it, if it's too good to be true, it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Um, thanks for letting me share. And, uh, yeah, have a good day. Have a good night. Now, thank you, Megan. I appreciate the, the voicemail. The thing I really like about that voicemail is, yeah, I think it's funny that if you walk around at night with a baseball bat, people offer you drugs. I think that's a funny observation. But the thing I really liked about the voicemail is, is Megan's telling this, uh, you know, pretty innocent story. And it, it, it gets, sounds so ominous to me. Like, well, What about it? Well, uh, and she doesn't sound like she was scared at all, but she's in a neighborhood where you need to carry a baseball bat and some guy in some beat-up truck, you know, obviously sort of hitting on her, you would think. And I don't know, well, what happened if she had said yes and gotten into the into the truck? See, I, I don't even think about that. What I think about is that it takes her to her father hmm. and her father's meth use and like, and, like, how you could tell one story, but you're really stuck on this other story. And it just made me think of, like, all the people out there who listen to the show and, like, I don't know, like, how many of them had parents who who, who used... I mean, your mother was fucking high. I mean, not on meth, but your mother was a crazy pothead until you were a teenager, and it definitely had an impact on you. Yeah, it's probably... I mean, I think it has something to do with why I ran away when I did. I mean, I mean yeah, because, I mean, I was angry. I felt like she was not, you know... Taking the kind of responsibility I wanted her to, and I don't know. Um, but this thing that you were just saying about the the generational connection, the last I don't know, it was two shows ago. Anyway, that the, the last time Linda was on, you guys were talking about Nora. That was the most striking thing to me, the fact that she is, 
you know, trying to uncover not just the the rosy image of her parent. You know, she's trying to get get at some of the reality. Well, she's trying to figure out like the thing that she's figuring out is she's putting a bunch of things together. First of all, like I I'm friendly with some people. Um, who are parents at Nora's school, or yeah. I, I don't even want to use Nora's name, oh, at sorry. her school. It's okay. Linda, Linda does. I mean, everybody does. I just try not to use her name, but okay. it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and she has friends who have parents who are using. She has oh. friends whose parents are not around. She oh. has friends uh, who are raised by their grandparents because because of it. And I can think of a few. And um, And she also has a friend who, like, talks about... Her parents, like, you know, they don't really understand drugs. I mean, they're nine years old, but, but, oh, her daddy drank a lot of drugs is what she'll say or, Uh or, um, or just something like that. And it's like, so she has all of these different, or, and then she'll ask me like, she'll say, well, what is your podcast about? Cause like, I was about to ask, so does she know what? She knows she, it exists. She knows it well. She knows it exists because she's in, pretty savvy. I feel like she she could in the find beginning it, listen to it if she wanted to. No, 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 no. I'm just cursing and talking about doing heroin. I'm not saying you'd allow her to. I'm saying like I remember seeing her in a room and she was talking to the computer. What's the name of the computer? Alexa. Alexa. Yeah. yeah. And then Alexa, play dopey. No, I'm, I mean, yeah. no. Couldn't she just do that? I mean, you guys aren't watching her twenty four seven. I, mean, I don't think I, I just don't think she's that interested. Okay. Um, because she has enough of me in her life. She doesn't need <laughs> yeah. she doesn't need to find me through dopey, thank God. Yeah. But the point is that like it's so interesting <clears throat> though that like it there's this record of her father that she could have it's it's I had never thought of this. I know, and I think there's a good side to it and a not good side to it. I think there's mostly a good side to it. Well, I think after I die, you know, she can listen to the show. You know, and and after you get past the hysteria of oh my god, daddy had seizures and stole cookies from the neighborhood and got kicked out of school and <laughs> lost his job and right, you and, had, and you know and, and like had no. and, and when mommy was at at right. live birth class, daddy had heroin in his pocket and would not out, and mommy had to leave, and grandpa wanted to kick the shit out of daddy. After she gets past all that stuff, <laughs> there's of... a lot of funny stuff. She's like, oh yeah, daddy's funny. You know? It's not just funny though. It's, it's there's good stuff. You're still doing the show, like that. You you came out the other end. Well, she know? said to me, she said, uh, "Well, what's what's dopey about?" Yeah, she once said to me, and I said, uh, "Well, I said it, it's 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 a lot. A lot of it is about drugs." I said, "I said I said a lot of it is about drugs and why drugs aren't good." Is what I said to that's her. True, you know, and she said, "She said, oh, daddy." She, she was like, "She was like, that's great," you know. And it was, she was like, "Cause she, I think she was scared that it, it was, was like, like a pro drug." Yeah, I think she was scared that because it was so secretive uh, in the beginning. If Linda ever mentioned it, I was like, "Don't say that in front of her. Don't mention that word." And, and if Linda got angry at me, she would on purpose, yeah. you know. And it became this whole thing, you know. And so, like, I think. And now, like, I'm, like, constantly trying to put together mailings and, like, deal with art and, like, checking oh, so downloads. She just sees, she just sees stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, so it's around, you know. Speaking of which, I want to um, – if you guys want to buy stickers, you can go uh, send me stickers. money at Venmo. <laughs> And I'll send you stickers. If you want to buy a hat, the same thing. I don't know when – 
Is I don't working out. Are you are you getting like some some, some financial support from? Well, this whole I mean, thing? there's two ads. There, no, no, I know you're getting money from the ads, but I just mean the Patreon thing is not yeah. setting the world on fire. Okay, you know, but I'm not pushing for it very right, hard no, because it seems very uncomfortable. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I've sold way more stickers than I had before, but like I don't know when this episode's going to come out. But in real time, right now, I'm really behind on shipping. Like I'm like oh. like I have to ship a bunch of stuff that I haven't shipped. So if you guys still haven't gotten it and you're listening, I'm sure somebody doesn't have something they paid for. So I apologize, but it's I have to do too much stuff. It'll come. He, It'll he get gets it. He gets it done. Have you seen how cool the stickers are? I have not. Here, I'll show you. I'll show you some of the cool stickers. This is this is great radio, by the way. It isn't. <laughs> you showing me how cool the stickers are that no one can see. Yeah, they could see them. But here, look. Here, I'm going to pause the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, you you guys should definitely buy this this sticker with the with this. Oh man, with with Dave in the in the Big Bird outfit. That that I think that's by far the funniest episode of all time. <laughs> you think so? It's the only one. So, okay. So, so uh, I I I was in Russia for like ten years, and Dave's podcast was like my one English outlet. So I listened to it constantly while I was working, and I'd be in the little corner, and 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 I when I listened to that, I I was like drooling. And Had you heard crying. that story before? No, I just I was <laughs> laughing hysterically, and like all the teachers, all these Russians are looking at me like, "What's wrong with the American? What's going on over there?" Well, that was oh, that, God. and if you guys haven't heard that story, it's a classic story. It's Basically, a great sticker. <clears throat> what happened? The sticker. Describe the sticker. It's, it's it's made by this woman named Kelly. She runs a company called Kelly Art. It's got the hairy legs. Oh God! Describe it. You're you're not doing a good <laughs> I'm job. Not doing good radio show here. Uh, it is a square sticker oh, with geez. black with a black background with Dave. I assume you. Um, it's kind of got your proportions. Dressed in the big big bird. Outfit with your hairy legs hanging out, sitting on a big green uh, easy chair, smoking smoking something that, and the smoke is floating above your head and spelling the word dopey. Well, the 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 story was with the episode. <laughs> you just look so sad and like naive. The bird's eyes and then these big hairy legs. Oh god. The story was back then. I think Chris and I had like. We were we were like taking suggestions, and somebody said, "Can you tell a funny story about getting high at work?" And like, I worked my whole, you know, yeah. my, most of my life, and like, and I got high a lot at work. You know, I got high at every job I had. I remember like when I was um, when I was producing TV, like I had a huge bong in the edit room, and like I had, I remember I had a job. In California where I was an associate producer on some show And we had a shared bathroom And there was like uh, like a vanity in the shared bathroom And in the middle drawer We had drawers And in the middle of the drawer Of the middle drawer This is how retarded I was I would bring comics to work To read in the bathroom when I got high And so I had all these comics in the middle drawer And underneath the comics was a tissue box And the tissue box was full of needles and like there were old needles and spoons and like tourniquets, and I kept that in the bathroom drawer. And and, um, and after and, and like I, I was such a mess. I would shoot uh, meth and heroin at that job, and uh, and I got fired. They called me into the office and they said, "We know what you're doing." And I was 
I was on meth and heroin. I mean, doesn't there like you would tell stories that there'd be like blood all over the place? That was at yeah. There there would be blood, but at work <laughs> I would clean it up. Okay. Uh, at home I wouldn't. Jeremy Jeremy and those guys kicked me out of the house oh, because because I'm a messy person. Yeah. You know. Um, I remember. But, I, I remember going to your going to your disgusting disgusting place when you were. I guess you were you were still using back back where in Twenty Fourth Street. Yeah, and going to the bathroom and 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 just looking around and being like, I don't know if I should touch that soap. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my hands will get dirtier if I touch that soap. That reminds me of another dopey story that I never told, which was, and it's like so gross. It's just this is just so disgusting, <laughs> and I, I remember because our friend Greg um, had come over. To that apartment And I was living dirty over there I was like alone And I had money And I had a bad heroin habit And I was just disgusting You know, I would leave food around I would mm-hmm. leave like plates I, I remember You know, and, and there was yeah, just like terrible couch oh, It was so just, uncomfortable It hurt my back It was so gross And Greg came over And um, <laughs> I don't even know how this happened But there was like a fly And like And like Jurassic Park had come out like I don't know, so I would I, whenever I would decide I was going to go kill the flies, I would go clever girl, <laughs> like because that was in Jurassic Park, yes. and I would, and I and I remember I killed the fly, and the next time he came over, there was like, I want to say there were like fifty flies. Oh, like you and yeah. and I and I just started killing all the flies and leaving them like on the walls. So that the other flies would know not to come. I think Cause, I Because there were dead flies everywhere. Yeah, I remember the flies. And it was like... I remember and the I, dead flies. I would like... I had a magazine in my hand. Yes. And I would just like jump off the coffee table yes. to kill them against the ceiling. I and remember. I, maybe I was there. You might have been there. That seems like something that I would do with you there before I would do it with Greg there. But it was just... It was just so disgusting. I remember the, the image of you like King Kong. Like <laughs> rampaging around with this thing and like killing all these little flying airplanes. Well, the thing it was like that, and and I took great satisfaction. Yes, killing flies. It was also you, it, it was one of the few times you were super active, physically yeah, active. Right, right. That, that that's that makes sense. Um, but that the Big Bird story was, uh, I was in California and I needed to have a job. You should go listen to it. I don't remember what episode it is, but but to make a long story short, um, I had gotten a job. It was like to entertain kids at parties And I had never done that But I figured I could do that So (laughs) So I go I go to the job And they're like Well do you know how to make balloon animals And I'm like no And uh, they taught me how to make I think a dog And a rabbit and Which is basically the same thing Just like a longer thing on the top For the ears And um and they're like, well, we're going to call you for different jobs, and you have to be different characters and, and go to the job. Right. And um, so one of the characters was Big Bird, only they they didn't tell you that you should get tights, and they don't describe <laughs> the, the costume. They just give it to you. And like, and back then I had a terrible heroin addiction, so I, I just sort of whenever I did anything, I would do it really high. I was also on a ton of pills, so like, and and I was a ton a ton of weed, so I was just always stoned on pills and on heroin. And so I got the the Big Bird costume, and I also was a terrible driver. 
Like, I was just a terrible I, driver. Has that changed? Yes. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good driver. I'm a decent driver. I'm a decent driver. All right. All right. Um, I'm not the great. I'm not the greatest we're, we're, driver. We're like Manhattan kids who learn to drive really late. Also, I mean, you know, it's it's just, it's a thing. With I'm not a terrible driver, all right. but I was a terrible driver then, and I was also a terrible driver because I was on all these drugs, and um, so it was some birthday party where I had to wear the Big Bird outfit, and I, I put on the Big Bird outfit, but there were no tights, so I had the yellow feet. And like my exposed, very pale, hairy, disgusting legs. Wait, why and then, didn't you just wear your pants? Because that would have been weird. Yeah, imagine there's jeans between <laughs> the bird feet and the tunic. <laughs> and then, and then also, so tight. you can't so see in the costume. The head sits above your head, right. and you look out the neck. But I couldn't see anything. And like I got there, I got lost on the way there. And I got there hours late. Oh, this was before like Google Maps or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, there was nothing like yeah. that. And I don't, I don't think I had a phone. You right. know, I don't think I right. had a cell phone. Right. I, I, I had one of, in California. There's books of maps, and I, I'm like terrible <laughs> at like this stuff. You know, I remember I got to California. There were these books of maps, and Jeremy was like, "You have to follow this and this." I had no idea to go anywhere, and um, and I got there. Imagine you're you're having a kids party, right? And, and your kid is five years old, and you've hired Big Bird to come to the party. Only Big, it's like uh, Big Bird's. Everybody, Big Bird's coming at two, and it's two o'clock, and Big Bird doesn't come. And it's like two thirty, and Big Bird doesn't come. And they're like, okay, we're gonna have cake, blah blah blah. And it's like three, and Big Bird doesn't come. And the party's gonna end, and at three thirty. Big Bird comes, only he's high on heroin, and, and he stinks of cigarettes, and he's sad, and he like, and I would just like be yelling at the children, and I made fucked up balloon animals, you know. It's just, it was really bad. Something out of a Steve Martin. Movie. It, it's it really, it really was like it was crazy. And I did the same exact thing happen, and I was dressed as a, a Power Ranger, oh. which is less funny. But I had it was exactly the same thing. It was ex- like where I was hours late, high, smoking cigarettes as a Power Ranger. So, but it was funny. All right, let's go to. Um, uh, I, I smartly. Um, what did I smartly do? You sent me some things to read. Um, well, I smart. Yeah, why don't you read something? That's a great idea. All right, before you you start reading this, I just want to preempt this by saying this episode that Jim and I are recording right now, I don't know when it's going to come out. So when this woman refers to the last episode, right. it definitely will not be. She's referring to the Anders Osborne episode, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Dopey folk. So this is from Mandy. She, she <coughs> writes, hey, Dave, I was a little late listening to this week's episode, but I could totally relate to it as usual. When you and Anders were talking about being young and seeing drugs as these opportunities for adventure and learning things about yourself and the naivety of, it, of that, I really felt I think that. it's naivete. Naivete of that. I really felt that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I remember reading Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test at 14 and wanting so badly to trip. I was totally falling in love with all that hippie shit. Uh, a month later, my best friend and I were making mushroom burritos. Why? I don't know. Dry-ass, nasty mushrooms in a plain tortilla. LOL. By the way, up until recently, I thought 
I'm one of those people who thought LOL meant lots of love. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't surprise me. I know. God. All right. Um, We had it all set up. Mirrors, also why? We didn't know the possible downfall of mirrors and tripping yet. LOL. Art, Art supplies, music, glow sticks... We ended up putting up blacklight bubbles from Spencer's all over ourselves, dancing and glowing in the black ni- black light. It was life-changing. God, this is making me think of had terrible experiences with black lights. Anyway, in the beginning, I think I saw positive effects on my <clears throat> excuse me, on my art, on my opinions of the world and my place in it, and on my friendships. I had a lot of adventures, met really interesting people, saw amazing live music, and had a desire to try everything and anything. Fast forward a couple of years and things I thought defined me that made me interesting and passionate fell away. I only wanted one thing and I had no time, energy, or desire for anything else. Tour stopped being about the music and started being how much money we could make from Custies on Lot. Custies on the lot, meaning people that, that she could sell drugs to or sell grilled cheeses to or whatever. Mm. Custies are the people that, the customers, they, um, hippies call customers custies. custies. Yes. See. It was about getting to the next city and finding the worst parts of it to get more dope, and we barely ever made it in the show. Twelve years later, losing my boyfriend didn't stop me. <clears throat> I had been trying to get my shit together on subs for six months at that point. And I made it two days before I got high off the exact same shit that killed him. While he was in a coma, I was holding his hand, high as fuck, and he was dying. I hated myself for that, and I miss him every day, especially this time of year. It took a lot of tries and a big move down south from New York, but I got clean, and that passion and joy slowly came back. I guess it was always there. I just stopped pushing it away and numbing myself. It feels like it did when I was 14, constantly wanting to learn about new things, obsessing over music and making art again. I'm weird as fuck, but I'm way more real now, and I like myself most of the time. There's one thing I still struggle with sometimes. During all those years of doing dope, I kind of felt like I was part of a club, I talked the talk, walked the walk, we had all the same experiences and ridiculous stories. I miss parts of that, the desperation that connected me to people exactly like me. Sometimes I still feel like I'm living this double life, like I was when I was getting high. Most superficial people in my life and work see me as this successful, nice, innocent girl. The tracks on my hand and arms have mostly faded. Part of me wants them to know how crazy I used to be, like it would earn me some sort of different kind of respect because I lived this hard life. But I try to see the irrationality of that and check myself. I go to meetings occasionally, so I guess I still have a club, but it's not the same. Sometimes sometimes it feels cheesy and not authentic. Plus, I can't seem to quit smoking cigs because it's the last bad thing I have left. So, Dave, thank you for everything you do and giving me a chance to write this and get it outside of my own head. It's a good reminder that I will always have things I need to work on and not to let myself get complacent. I love the podcast, and I'm so happy to see it continuing to grow in popularity. You're doing big things, and I'm really happy someone from that club we never asked to belong to is out there making a difference. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles for Chris. 
And NFA, because we fucking need you, Mandy. I don't know what NFA means. I was going to ask you. I don't know. And I'm sure NFA, no fucking something. I don't know what it means. And it bothers me because uh, I I feel like I should know what NFA means. Maybe if I, you think if I Googled it, it would tell me what it was? Maybe. No, I have no idea what NFA is. I feel stupid. Anyway, what are you going to ask me? Um... Well, I was just, I guess I was thinking about two things. One, the, 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 I mean, the most horrific part of that, or the heart-wrenching part of that letter is when she's holding the hand of her, sounds like her, her boyfriend who's dying of the stuff she's still on. Uh-huh. And it made me, you know, like, the, the crazy thing is that you didn't have that experience. You know, that, that you managed to get, to not be on the things that were killing your friends by the time your friends were dying. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, first no. of all, I want to, I want to, I want to like address this email because like this email, like I find it really, really, really like it, it, I could have written the email. Like it really is something I really can relate to. I can relate to all of those situations. I remember I was a little bit older when I read the electrical aid acid test, but yeah, I was like, yeah, I remember you talking about it. I was just like, this book is everything to me. Like yeah. it was just, I remember like, and I was never on dead tour or fish tour. Like I would go to a few dates and we went to, we went to the dead ones. And, and I loved the idea of, uh, I love the, the lot guys and all the custody stuff and all that shit. We would make fun of it because it just seemed so fun. Money. And also, it seemed very cool that they got to do this. It always, what the Dead Tour and the Fish Tour always reminded me of was like uh, Peter Pan. Like, uh, like all these kids were like very much the lost boys and they, they like kind of like fleeced the custies. And, and I was just like basically. I was half. I was a custy, but then I was a drug addict, and then I was sort of like. I remember uh, when I had that job at Burley Bear, I would go to the shows working. So like, I was kind of a custy drug addict employee type. But like, I love. I just love what she said. I love being able to uh, when when you go from wide-eyed and innocent to fucking addicted, and, and you're seeking something great, and all you wind up with is a habit. And like you, you know, you think you're seeking something great, and in the end, you lose everything great, and you can't see anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what were you gonna say? Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, she also mentioned that like she goes to uh, meetings occasionally, but it feels cheesy or inauthentic. Yeah, does that? I mean, I find that happens all the time. I, I'm I'm shocked that you can tolerate. Like, I mean, like that's like the one thing that I think you don't. You really don't tolerate all this inauthenticity. I mean, well, you know, it's like I, I think forever. I like couldn't handle meetings. Like I couldn't handle them at all. Yeah. And um and and I also I mean one you know yeah like the idea of me not being able to handle something authentic is like the cool part of me. But the truth was that I just wanted to get high. You know, for the first you know ten fifteen years of going to meetings, I was like fuck this. I want to get high. And I remember after you know please it was like. If you if you want to at the end of every meeting they say if you want to do drugs or drink raise your hand and I remember at a bunch of meetings I was like well I want to do drugs and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to no, I'm, I'm going to right you know and, and and like or people would try to talk to me I'd be like you really just shouldn't bother talking to me now because I'm there's nothing you can say and and there was nothing that they could say because I had made up my my mind I had made a decision and and the decision was I was going to stay high but you were at, so why were you at the meeting. Because my life was bad. Because I knew that 
I, I just wanted to get high more than I wanted to get sober, but I knew that getting high wasn't working. You know, like that you, I couldn't you, stay you, high. Yeah. It was insustainable. This is this is reminding me of the, this this conversation you had with Linda about you know wh- enabling versus coddling and all this stuff and and like basically how can you help someone? And the answer I heard from Mo, like the consensus it seemed at the end of that was you can't. Like well, like like people people come out of it when they th- there's no real there's no recipe. They come out of it when they come out of it. You know when they decide to, and there's really nothing you can do to. You know, I mean, I guess my question is: Do you think that that those people coming up to you, like, of course they're coming up and trying to talk you out of it? Do you think that was pointless, or do you think that maybe was like chipping away a little bit, like, you know, like they actually it was necessary because at some point you would be in the position where you did need someone, like you were looking for someone to come and talk you out of it. There was a part of you that didn't want to do it more than you did. I think for me, until I got sober, it was pointless. pointless. You know, for me. Because, like, I wasn't the kind of person that But was, you were at the meeting. That's what I'm saying. Like, but there was, you were still, you were, you were beginning to tip the scale. You were at the meeting. So there was part of you that was like, I, I know this isn't working. I haven't decided I'm going to stop, but I know this isn't working and I want to you know, start opening the door. Right. You know I what just, I mean? Like you're, you're, I just feel like I remember going to a bunch of AA meetings and NA meetings when I, when I didn't get clean. And I remember <laughs> you're going there just like to, to like meet girls and get, get drugs from other people. No, like, I would go there because like it was a little bit to kill time. It was a little bit because I wanted to not want to get high anymore. I wanted to not want to get high. <laughs> but I definitely wanted to get high and, and like or, or I would go there on the fence Like I don't want to get high But the meeting just bothered me so much <laughs> And the meeting didn't push me into getting high I was going to get high either way right. But like there was no there, I don't I, Nobody ever I mean only one time Did somebody at a meeting Really make a difference for me And uh, he well, just said We want you to come back you know, like it was like this inclusive thing, mm-hmm. and and it, but it was at the right time that I. That, that's what I mean. You know, I think for me it was about right time, right place. I don't know if that's everybody, and I think like I went to a meeting. Uh, you know, I, I go to like a meeting a week, yeah. sometimes two. Right. And I went to a meeting. I went to a meeting yesterday, and at the meeting. You usually go on Tuesdays. I usually go on Tuesdays, but I needed to help out with the family on Tuesday. Right. So I went to a meeting in Manhattan yesterday. And the meeting, the meetings I go to Long Island are way different than the meetings in Manhattan. Sure. And the meeting in Manhattan was, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, there was a kid there who, uh, who got a Vivitrol shot. And a Vivitrol shot is something that uh, an opiate addict will get so that if they take opiates, it'll block them and they won't get high. Oh, you got that at yeah, that point. Yeah, I've gotten that before. But it was, it was naloxone at the time. Right, it was like right. an experimental shot. But the kid told this story. He raised his hand and he said he had two days back and um, because he was cleaning his room and... Like a pill, an Oxycontin fell out of his pillowcase or something, mm. and he took it. And he was blocked, so he didn't get high, but, but he took it, you know, and he was at the meeting and he was just devastated. Mm. And like when I heard that story, 
you know, part of me was like, well, when the Vivitrol wears off, this guy's not going to fucking make it. That was the first, the first kind of assholey thought I had. But the second thought I had was how lucky I am that I've made it so far from being in that situation. You know, I was in that situation forever. Um, I went to another meeting around Memorial Day in Manhattan that was like was a 7.30 in the morning meeting. And like, you know, my sobriety was very much intact. And I went to this meeting and everybody was like kind of rich, you know, if not gay, incredibly metrosexual. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the, the but way not, yeah. but the way the meeting went was I can't believe it's Memorial Day and I can't go to the Hamptons and drink. I mean, everybody I know is at the beach right now. They drink sangria and I have to watch them and I have to sit in a church basement and drink coffee out of a styrofoam cup and I can't believe this is my life. And then the next person would and I'd be like, thank you for sharing. <laughs> the next person would be like... Hello, my name is Chad, and I can't believe it's Memorial Day, and I can't get on the boat and drink. It's like everybody's at the Hamptons. It was like literally, it was like fucking 100 people, and everybody in the meeting shared about not being able to drink at the Hamptons. I, I, I was like, what the, I was like, I, I almost wanted to get high from that meeting, you know, and I was fucking three and a half years sober. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, how can this be the meeting? There was no solution. It was just rich people wanting to drink in the Hamptons. Like, I, I was like, it was, I was like, oh, my, I was like, I never go back to this meeting. <laughs> and, and the meeting that I, what were you going to say? Uh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, it is part of the function of the meeting to just find essentially like-minded people. I don't know. Because that, I mean, have you, have you ever been in a room where you felt that? Well, like, felt what? Like, these are my people. Yeah, but never the whole group, but right. a couple. Right. Sure, of course, a couple. I mean, I, the meeting that I go to more than any meeting now is like the least likely like-minded people that you can imagine. I go to a meeting in, in, uh, in Suffolk County, you know, on the beach at 8 uh, in the morning. And, um, Sounds nice. I'm the youngest person there. Not a bad thing. <clears throat> and they're not, there's, no, there's only one other drug addict in the meeting. It's all oh. alcoholics. Okay. And um, and there's it's just this woman was amazing, you know. And I'm gonna kind of make fun of this woman's share right now, but but the people in this meeting I really like. They're all like middle class Long Islanders with uh-huh. heavy accents. Uh-huh. And she's like, "Hello, my name." I'm not gonna say her name, but sorry to interrupt. But this sounds authentic. Like I can see like a sparkle in your eye, and like this sounds well. I'm sure. That the Hamptons thing was authentic also, for those it, guys. It just wasn't. It just made me sick. <laughs> you know, it just disgusted me. Um, but I'm sure it was authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. need the swashbuckling depravity in a meeting of a real bottom and a real consequence more than I can't go drink at the Hamptons. I see. Yeah. Um, it just. Or one Hamptons drinking to another, like, you need to get a little bit more consequence driven for me. Yeah. You know, like, for me, you know, and also, like, I'm, or solution stuff. Like, you know, why my life is better because I'm not drinking at the Hamptons. No, instead of wine, like, you know, essentially. But, I mean, there was, I'm sure there, that stuff was sprinkled in, but it was just, it was, it was, it was hysterically off-putting to me. Anyway, I interrupted your, your, your uh, this impersonation. Woman, I had a, I'm going to change her name. She's like... Hello, my name is Tara. 
I'm an alcoholic, and me, and I'm very grateful to be here, but me and my husband, my husband's still an alcoholic, and he's a wine dealer, and we went on a trip to Italy uh, for two weeks, and he literally said to me, Tara, if... He said, Tara, if you want to drink, I won't tell anybody. Your secret's safe with me. So so we went to dinner, and he's a wine dealer, you know? So it was 24 flights of wine on the table with just me and him, and I'm not drinking. And it felt like there was so much alcohol... Oh, I messed up the whole fucking line. <laughs> Motherfucker. So when the husband says, when the husband says to Tara... You don't have to... I won't tell anybody. Your secret's safe with me. She says, She says, what am I going to fucking do? I've been a liar my entire life. You know, a liar my entire life. It's like, that's... I, I'm like, I'm like getting, like, it's gold coming in my head to hear this. I was like, yes. You know, and, and, and she was like, she was like, I've been a liar my entire life. A liar. I mean, have you ever heard something so beautiful as a liar my entire life? I mean, I guess liar and entire rhyme, so why shouldn't liar and entire? Anyway, um, but the point was, the fellowship made it so she finally didn't have to be a liar. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm not going to lie for you. This sounds like there's a song in here that you should write. Yeah, maybe. But she said, she said I'm not going to lie for you. And, um, and she wound up not drinking. She said that, she's like... There was so much alcohol on the table, it felt like I was in a bottle. And all I had to do was breathe the air. (laughs) Um, I was just like, oh, this is such gold. You know, it was just so amazing. But like, and and I I love that meeting because it's like there is desperation. It's not, I, 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 you know, was searching for a vein and my needle broke and all that shit. But it's real, like, real human consequence and desperation. When you shared... Do you feel like they... Do you think that there's some Long Island guy going someplace? That's cool, get this New York kid, that's gold. You no, know, I don't, I don't I, no, no. I, I, you know, I like, I, I do try to share to make people laugh. Like, I like, I enjoy doing that. And like, it's, it's like the only time I can make like a lot of people laugh at once. So I, I try to do that. Um, but I also like, you know, I like the idea when you share in a meeting, you say how your life was, how your life is now, and, uh, and what changed. You know, that's like the point. But is it sort of the same people each week? Yeah. And but, but you try to do you do you speak every week? I, I share regularly. Do you just talk about like is it like kind of like dopey? Just like what's going yeah. on with you that week? Basically? Yeah. Like I, I I like would share. I I actually told. Did you ever hear the episode like um, the episode where I, I I started doing the garden and I borrowed that machine from yeah. across the street? Yeah. I had told I wasn't going to tell the story on Dopey, but I told it at that meeting and, and it like killed. it killed. I was like, <laughs> I better better do that at Dopey. And then here's another story. Um, you know, one of the stickers is a praying mantis yes, sticker, I, and um, and and the praying mantis has become one. like this big mascot of Dopey. And and the the best side of the story is that it was this hysterical story that I didn't tell Linda that I had bought all these praying mantis eggs and she like she got so angry because they I had forgotten that I had them in the house and they got loose you know and uh, and she got really mad and it was really really funny but the sad part was it was the last episode Chris was alive. That oh. I told that story. Really? And, and, I thought... And he was so high that he, he couldn't... It was such a funny story, he couldn't even follow the story. 
You know, at the end, he was like, Locust. Greg there for the, I thought that was with Greg. No, no. You were, you were just here weeks later, and Greg thought that was the funniest story ever. Uh, okay. No, it was me and Chris, and we were on the phone, and he couldn't follow the story because he was fucking high as shit. Oh, and um, so the praying mantis thing became this huge part of the show, and, uh, and, and, and you know. There's a sticker. There's you a know, great sticker about Really it, yeah. great sticker. And... Um, and I saw on the Dopey Nation Facebook page, one of the moderators, this woman, Paulina, had put up a, a picture that she had bought praying mantis eggs. Nice. And it was a picture of the container with the hatched eggs. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to get <laughs> I got to get my praying mantis eggs this year. So, you know, it's kind of in my heart, like I want to like every year hatch praying mantis eggs and whatever. In the house. So, Wow. So <laughs> I or, I didn't mention it on the show, but I ordered the praying mantis eggs, and it was the same one that Paulina bought, and it was the same one that I bought years right. ago, last year. And I, uh, and I didn't tell Linda. And I, I, and I, Again? Yeah, because I think it's funny. And, um, and I put them in the house. In the house? Ha- again? You actually did this? Yeah. And then um, and I didn't know where what? to put them. And I didn't want to get Linda angry, so I put them where like where Nora like draws and oh, plays. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't open them in, in the house, like. Well, let's, we'll get to that. <laughs> so I, I put them in 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 this area that Nora's in, and um, and she's like, "You put them in my area, Daddy." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." And then every week kind of went by, and and it didn't hatch, and I was kind of getting angry. And like Amazon sends me a notification, "Are you happy with your praying mantis eggs?" And I was like, "No, I'm not fucking happy. They're not hatching." And then I spent the night in the city, and I was and I'd forgotten about them again. And I go home, and I take them off the shelf. And I look inside the thing, and there's a hundred, two hundred praying mantises, tiny ones in the thing, and and Nora's asleep, and Linda's asleep, and I didn't want to like wake anybody up, so I like grabbed the thing of praying mantises, and I uh, and I released them in the in my different gardens, and um, and that night when I came home, Linda was like. Was there praying mantises in the house? Because yeah. I, I saw a baby one climbing by. But like, it's like I think if you guys are in the Dopey Nation and you have an outdoor space, you should definitely get praying mantises in honor of Chris and the show. Um, but it was amazing. Um, another thing I did is uh, I decided on Twitter to ask questions and oh, answer right. them. Right, right, right. So we're gonna do some of that. You want me to read any of these? Uh, yeah, why not? That's a good idea. All right, you're going to have to pass it to me. Right, I don't know if you understand what Twitter is. I, I've never actually... In, Jimmy is like a fucking 70-year-old man. <laughs> he doesn't understand stuff like this. LOL. Yeah. Lots um, of love. Let's see. Hold on. I'm trying to find a, a good question. So here's a question from James. Uh, That's funny because your name's James, too. Isn't that funny? Um what does James want to know? He wants to know, do you ever get competitive with drugs? I know I shouldn't feel this way, but I work in a professional setting and people don't know my history and they talk about acid when they were young like it was a big deal and I feel like saying I used to shoot crack and vinegar. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> And James, the answer is uh, yeah. I feel competitive all the time with stuff like that. 
<clears throat> and I actually do that because like I'm stupid. Like when when somebody brings up something they did, I always will like like especially at work, I'll always just say something absurd about the stuff that I used to do. Um and it's and it's like it's pretty immature, you know, I think. I think that I, I did it because I think it's funny. I, I think like oftentimes I'm with people and they'll ask me about drugs and I'll uh and I'll say some terrible shit. And um and they'll say, Aren't you ashamed? And I and I honestly am not ashamed of it. I, I think you know, I'm, I might be, I think I'm more proud of it. I, I think I'm proud I lived through it. I'm proud I got sober and I'm proud I did it in the first place. But yeah, I, I get competitive about drugs, about drugs. And I'm not, I'm not proud of that. That's definitely immaturity still in my life. I used to get competitive with Chris, which was a total losing battle because his yeah, stories he, were just he, like, he wins yeah, every time. Exactly. Um, all right. Here's another, oh, this is the same James. That's not fair. I should find someone else. Um. Here's one from Mike. All right. Do you think you'll ever leave your current job? Oh, Mike. Yeah. Just to do dopey. I. I mean, it could get that big. You never know. Well, the answer is Mike. Yes, I would love to leave my current job. Fucking today at my current job, I'm like fucking begging children to give me money because <laughs> I bring them sandwiches, <laughs> and then they don't give me money, and I say, Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about tips? Yeah. So, like, fucking some fucking couple orders two sandwiches, but I thought they just ordered one sandwich. They're little kids. You know, they're, like, 20-something. They're skinny. I I figured they want one sandwich to share, and I figured I was saving them money, whatever. So I bring them a sandwich, and they're like, and they're like, "Uh, we asked for two sandwiches. I was like, all right. And, uh, And I brought them the second sandwich, and they were like, we'll take this one to go. And I was like, well, why didn't you ask for it to go then? And uh, they were like, because we wanted to eat it. I was like, okay, yes, very good. And, uh, and I went back and I, and I wrapped up the sandwich right. and they, they didn't tip or they tipped like two bucks. And I was, like, I was like, what is this? They said, you're not a good waiter. And it's like, this is my fucking life. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so my, is it Mike? Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, yeah, I'd love to give up my current job to do Dopey. I think uh, we're a lot of money away from that happening. You uh, you're chipping away, chipping away, and, and but I am getting closer to actually get, giving up waiting tables. Like I'm getting closer to that at work. I'm only down to two days waiting tables a That's, week now. I didn't know that. Um, so I'm getting closer to that. So you never know. I would love to do Dopey full time uh, and and stuff like this. All right, here's one from Germ Boy. I love Germ Boy. Germ Boy's a dopey super fan. All right. The, the super fan Germ Boy asks, will the lost tapes ever be recovered? The last time I remember hearing, they were stuck on a dead laptop. Now, that's an interesting question, Germ Boy. Um, the answer is, I hope so. I mean, I, don't, I am currently not in possession of any of the lost episodes we had two i always had two and i found four so that means six eight ten and twelve are still lost what are you gonna say i don't even know what was being lost erased well, you don't know the story. Like when we first did the show, um, yeah, he told you to take it down. Linda wanted yeah, him she, down, she wanted, yeah, so yeah, we yeah, took yeah. him down, and um, I think 
I'm imagining Chris had them saved in his computer. Oh, but you don't have access to that. It's gone because he broke his computer, so it's his old computer. But I have this feeling that I have an old computer, too. And I have a feeling that those episodes are in my old computer. Why don't you take it to a... Because when I moved, I don't know where the old computer uh, went. So I think the old computer is somewhere in my attic, and it's possible that the lost tapes are there. In terms of the ones that might be in Chris's computer, I've talked to his sister, and, and like they're not doing anything. So okay. consider the lost tapes still lost for now. All right. Well, you never know. All right. Here's one from Will. All right. So I asked this on the Facebook page and got great answers. All right. You're stranded on an island forever. Yes. With only five musical albums with you. What albums would you choose, Dave? Five albums? That's what he asked. I would take uh, Miles Davis in a silent way. I would take uh, Bob Marley, Natty Dread. I would take... um, uh, Not uh, Bob Marley, uh, Talking Blues? No, I would take Natty Tread. I would take... Um, I love Natty Tread. Uh, I would take... Uh, so, Miles Davis, Bob Marley. I don't know. I'd probably take The Beatles, Abbey Road, yeah. um, or The White Album, one or the other. White Album's a longer record, but The Abbey Road is much more emotional like to me. I Let It Be. That's what you would take? I love Let It Be, too. I, I would take... Um, Fucking what the fuck would I take? Five records. See, I, I've given up listening to records. I listen to this ridiculous playlist on Spotify right, now. Right. I just listen to thousands of songs. What five records would you bring? I, I, don't, I, don't I, I would bring maybe Beggar's Banquet by the Rolling Stones. I love that record. Maybe, I would bring maybe some uh, Sign Sealed Delivered or you'd bring Stevie Wonder Sign Sealed Delivered. Maybe. Do you listen to that record still? I haven't heard that. I, I like, I mean, I, Talking Book speaks to me more than Sign Seal yeah, Delivered. Maybe, maybe. But I wouldn't bring that. I, yeah, I yeah, might. I get sick of it. I get sick. I'm, I'm still, I'm sorry. I haven't heard that record in 20 years. I'm, I'm still sick of it. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good question. I would bring, um, what's a good record? Thriller? No. No? No, I wouldn't bring Thriller. Maybe I'd bring The Violent the Femmes. Wall. No, I wouldn't bring that stuff. Did you see these movies about Michael Jackson raping no, the children? No, I didn't, but I, you know. You shouldn't because you like the music so exactly. much. Exactly. I, I can, I, can, I, I don't need the music. I, don't, I never, I never was into that whole Michael Jackson thing. All right. You know, not to mention, you know, he is a rapist. You don't like Prince either. I don't dislike Michael Jackson or Prince. I just don't need those records. Right. right. I, I like, you know, I, yeah, you I know, know, it's not my thing. The Dead? Would you bring any? any no, I, I maybe I would bring. Uh, I wouldn't bring a Dead record, but if I was going to bring a Dead record, I'd either bring Working Man's Dead or Two from the Vault uh, or a Dick's Picks record. But I think I would bring Two from the Vault because that has a nostalgic qualities for me. Me and Todd used to listen to One and Two from the Vault driving to. Get drugs all the time and driving around all the time. Um, I don't know. That's what, about, that, what, what about Watermelon Man? No, no, no. I, I, I fucking, I fucking with the Headhunters. Yeah. No, I can't stand that record. I love that. I love that stuff. Like I, I rebelled against all that stuff. Like that Stevie Wonder Watermelon Man stuff. It's I, good. I, I like. I actually. Well, anyway, we're good. What? Um, I like Monco Santa Maria. That's a good record. Yeah, I like his Watermelon Man. It's much better. The original Watermelon Man is great. The the Headhunters Watermelon Man I could do without. Maybe that uh, that Ray Charles Genius Plus Soul yeah, Equals Jazz that's record. Good. That's great. Maybe um, I don't know. I like that the the Clash London Calling record a lot. I like um, I don't know. I love that Simonde Simonde <laughs> record. Yeah. I, 
I've listened to that. I got yeah, uh, many too many times. I got I got some people sick of it. I can All get right, sick I, of that. Right I think here. I think you're definitely well over five. I think we got five for both of us there. All right, I apologize. What else? Um, hold on, let me see. Um, oh, your phone's locked. You know what else is happening? There's this thing in West Virginia coming up called the Healing Recovery Festival. <clears throat> in West Virginia And they're actually Going to advertise On the show So this is kind of A freebie nice. They're inviting me And the family To wow. go to the festival And wow. maybe even Like MC at the festival that And we're going to go Yeah And I think John Prine Might be playing You know I used to, You know what A record I would bring Is uh, is Simon and Garfunkel Bridge Over Troubled Water Fair enough I love that record um, but uh, but that's pretty cool. So that might be DopeyCon too. And I think there's going to be one of the questions is oh, yeah was is this live something or other yeah is DopeyCon going to happen? And it looks like it is. I don't really know what you got to talk into the mic better. I don't really know what that is. DopeyCon yeah. If I had my druthers, it will be the first live Dopey event. You talked about this a long time ago. I talk about it here and there. Um. I'm scared to do it. You talked about this with Chris. Yeah, we've talked about it on and off for a long time. But if I had my druthers, it would be around Chris's birthday, mm-hmm. which we like to call Christmas, uh, which would also be exactly fortuitously at the 200th episode mark. There you go. If we do DopeyCon, will you go? To West Virginia? No, here on the Lower East Side <laughs> or something. Well, if I can, yeah. Would you go to West Virginia? No. All right. I mean, I don't think I don't think my wife would let me. Well, she could go. The kids are going to come. Our children are going to go. That's, my children do love your children. Yeah, I know. Who doesn't? Everybody loves our children. Um, let me see if I got another question. You think that's enough questions? Do you put pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Do I? Yeah. I like it with some ham. I like the sweet and salty. Yeah, me too. Um, people hate that, but I think it's great. Uh, somebody else says... Um, what do they say? <clears throat> this is the Nod Squad. Brian Uncle Albert asks, do you find it, or maybe it's Ryan, do you find it challenging uh, finding a balance between not being either too triggering or too preachy in recovery when releasing content? Uh, not anymore. I don't feel like anything I do is... I, but, you know, but you do get nervous when there isn't like, enough dopey. I, well, that's the know. opposite of the question. He's asking is, do I think the material triggers people, or is it too preachy? You know, I think it's neither. But for the most part, it's just stupid yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you're never really preachy, but you don't do that much. You don't do as nearly as much dope, like heavy, hit him with the dopey kind of thing as you used to. So, Yeah, even hearing you say hit him with the dopey makes me kind of sad. I'm sorry. Well, Chris just loves saying, let's hit him with the I dopey. Know, I, know, I know. All right, let's just fucking hit him with the dopey. You know, I loved it when he would say that. But at the same time, I felt shackled by hitting him with the dopey. Like, Cause, cause, why? Cause, because it, cause there were only so many stories from the two of you? No, because, like, I wanted the show... Like, the show is obviously dopey, um, but I wanted it to be... I don't know. I wanted it to not only be drug stories. So, like, I, I don't feel like the show is preachy. I feel like I say my life is better from being in recovery because it's true, and I want people out there 
<clears throat> who are on the fence to know that your life can be better. Like, and, and here's just to be preachy for a second. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I feel way higher being sober than I ever felt getting high. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when I used to get high, it was so I could fucking nod out and not give a shit. I love giving a shit. It's my natural state to give a shit. And, like, I love, like, seeing how far I can take something. It's, like, my favorite thing. I love that. You had to get... I just... Yeah. What? You had to get through a lot of pain to get to the joy you have now. Yeah. Well, I had to, I had to fucking burn off, like, my karma or my entitlement or... No, I don't see it that way. I No. It wasn't, it wasn't like a debt you had to pay. It was... In my mind, I had to burn off my entitlement. In my mind. In your entitlement. In like, your I had to burn off my privilege. I had to really suffer so I could be free. That was just... I mean, and I didn't do it on purpose, but you that's... Mean, you mean while you were taking drugs? No. I mean, in the end... And maybe this is bullshit. Like, maybe it's bullshit, but I see it like this. In the end, like... I knew that I had taken it as far as it, it could go. And it was time to, like, give up. Wait, wait, wait. But... How do I... So the only the only thing I uh see slightly differently is I feel like when you were taking drugs it wasn't to punish yourself it was to avoid feeling some uncomfortable like facing yourself you you you, you know what I mean and that when you when you came out of the drugs there was this very long difficult period where you you finally got to the point where facing yourself was less uncomfortable than continuing doing drugs. Well, even though it was- I had to stop doing drugs because if I kept doing drugs, I wouldn't get to see my kid. Right. So, so, the, so I that- had to. So I had to stop doing drugs. And then when I stopped doing drugs, I was so incom- uncomfortable living. That's and yeah. then. I got used to it. But I mean, that's part of what got you into the drugs. You know, th- there was all this stuff. We read you know, a little bit about, you know, the adventures and all that stuff. But I think, like, underneath it, a lot of it was to avoid responsibility and, and to avoid being yourself and, and, you know, like facing yourself. I think I mostly did it because I was so uncomfortable caring so much. Like, I hated. Like I didn't yeah, want to care. Very, very sensitive. I person. did not want to care as much as I did about all the things that I cared about. It was it was very uncomfortable, and I wanted to not give a shit. I desperately wanted to not give a shit. I mean, like, dude, I wake up at five in the morning naturally. I remember, like, I would go to a friend's house and they would sleep, and I would be like, I, I was the friend, and I would just be up, and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, and, and, and I would get up and watch Scrooge every morning, uh, or I would like talk to like Greg's dad or your or whoever was yeah, around, yeah. and like that, and I took drugs to sleep in. I took drugs to like not care. I took drugs to be like everybody else. All right, maybe I'm projecting here. Brian goes on and he also asks, um, also, in your opinion, how do you think Dopey has progressed over time? And are there any future plans or surprises in store? So Dopey has progressed over time, you know, fucking uh, Chris died, obviously, and the show changed a lot, which you guys obviously know. But it, it changed a lot before that, too. Did it? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I talked about it when I was on the one time I met Chris. We right. talked a lot about that, right? Um, 
And uh, the show's changed a lot. The show is more of a the show is more of a show than a than a conversation. Although this show is kind of a throwback conversation episode. Um, I think uh, there will be some surprises. If you guys want me to ruin one, there's a really big one happening. No, don't ruin it. Tomorrow. <laughs> have you heard of, uh, what's his face, the guy who played Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr.? He's coming in. No, shit. No, he's not. I'm just kidding. There's, not, there's nothing coming. <laughs> if anything happens, it'll be great. Nothing's coming. Oh, man. But of course there's surprises. And ex- that's what Dopey's all about, surprises and fun, <laughs> fun stuff around every turn. You kidding me? I mean, it's because never expected an episode like this with Jim. <laughs> Expect more episodes like this coming up. <laughs> so you want me to read another one? Yeah, read another one. All right. This is from... I don't know who this is from. K somebody. K is fine. All right. Hi, Dave. Great podcast. Thank Listening you. to all the old episodes as well as the new ones each week. Nice. Try, trying to catch up. Found you via This American Life. Yes. What a great legacy to have all the old sessions with Chris. It's like listening to the improvisations of two great jazz musicians wow. in the 50s. Wow. Think Miles Davis and Charlie Parker. City 101.9. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Like me. <laughs> In the wake of Chris's, oh man, I can't laugh while I'm reading this. In the wake of Chris's death, you are carrying on in a noble tradition. It's wonderful. I'm not dopey, but I know a hell of a lot of dopeys out there. Right. Both in my own family and a lot of friends. Quote, all the drunks find you, unquote, my friend said once. He has been sober for 20 years, and it's true. I'm not an alcoholic, I don't think, but I have an uneasy relationship with alcohol. We keep a close and wary eye on one another. I've tried drugs mainly because I never had any money. Um, thank you for the hours of entertainment. Yeah, I don't I not read that. Drugs right. cost a lot of money. Right. I've tried drugs mainly because I never had any Maybe me. I've tried drugs, but she hasn't done them much. Because she doesn't have enough money to do right, a lot of drugs. She yeah. means. Uh, thank you for the hours of entertainment during the brutal L.A. daily commute. Yes. It's sad to hear Chris knowing that he is now gone at such a young age. But in so many ways, that absence now fuels the show. And it's really great to hear the show's origin, progression, and growth. I love that you are including your family more and more. I do too, by the way. Uh, in the most recent episodes, they, like you, realize that you are speaking to a broader audience than just the dopies. It's the family and friends as well. It's a true dopey nation. Stay, draw, stay strong and fucking toodles for Chris. Thank you again. Sincerely, Catherine. Uh, read if you want on the air. Oh, just don't use the last name. Thanks, which we didn't. Very nice. Uh, thank you, Catherine. Um, it's it's uh it's incredibly sad when I listen to old episodes. Um and we're gonna do some 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 Chris episodes coming up. Like I'm gonna have some of his friends on and just because like I think I, I was talking to my friend about it actually today, where like Chris and I met each other in rehab and we, we knew each other all right. You know, we spent a bunch of time together in rehab. But we really, and we were friends afterwards, but we really became friends doing the show. And, um, and, and so if, you, if I listen to the show, I'm basically, we came together, we came, became really good friends doing the show, and we became really good friends 
making the show, planning the show, analyzing the show, doing the next thing on the show, like what the show was supposed to be, trying to get people on the show, trying to get people to pay attention to the show. So, like, you know, we we have this old, really close-knit group of friends from high school, and I think we're all kind of, like... Very sensitive, yeah. You know, like un- unusually sensitive, especially for men of our age. And yeah, and I felt. I, I mean, he was younger, but you felt that from him. I felt like he was one. Like he, yeah. he felt. I immediately, you know, like he hugged me when I met him, and it just like he was open and vulnerable in a way that I'm not. You know, and smart and smart. Yeah, it just it, he it. I was looking forward to seeing him again. You know, he he felt like one of that group. To me. I know, I know, and it, it, it's heartbreaking. And um, and when I listened to the show, like, and I remember what we were doing, or like, I'll hear like us talking about like getting something to eat, or like, I'll remember like like before every episode, me and him would go to the supermarket and we'd buy cookies and we'd buy chocolate and sometimes we'd buy milk and ice cream and we would stand in the grocery store and like kind of talk about what the show was going to be. And we usually said the same thing where he'd be like, I don't know what we're doing. And, you know, and that would be part of it. It's just like, it's very sad to lose a friend. You know, it's very, especially, you know, one is uh, as bright and funny and, and full of promise as Chris. But when you're young, and I mean, like, we're not. How old was he? He was 10 years younger than us. Um, yeah. and, uh, and we're not, like, old, but we, I mean, I just turned 45. You'll turn 45 in the fall. Chris died at 34. You know, it's very young. Todd died at 44. It's just very young. And uh, it's obviously incredibly sad. Uh, it makes Dopey something that Dopey wasn't supposed to be, you know, which is, I mean, it was a story. Dopey was a story, but it wasn't a real story until everybody started dying, you know. It became like a beacon or something. It became... It, like, was a weird, very, very cryptic, but funny serial. It would have been way better if we had faked all these deaths instead of them happening. Because people had asked if we faked them. People thought that Chris didn't really die. Right. You know, anyway... I think this is a great place to end the episode. All right. Um, so that was interesting. I look at this episode like a weird sort of remember when sort of clip show with information. It's hard not to do that. That's sort of what we do when we get together. Is it? Yeah. You know, we reminisce. We had some good food. I didn't let you talk about your uncle. Jim has a crazy uncle. We didn't talk about him. <laughs> Next time. Um, crazy uncle. The uncle has taken it personally that Jim... Uh, doesn't want to give his daughter dance lessons? No, 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 no. Taking personally that I was waiting until the fall. That's how crazy it was. Hey, it's a, it's a, you really want to... Why don't you just... Tell, let's hear a little bit of the story. Oh, man. Well, it it gets into this... The, the thing I was trying to tie into was, was like the last few episodes has been more about Family, fam- fam- well, not just family, but generations, and how things, how things like you've had addicts with kids, and you know how that's affecting your daughter. Anyway, he uh, he's a very lonely guy, and he's had a very unfortunate life. But uh, he's one of these guys who wants to fight with everybody, not physically. But we invited him over, and we 
you know, tried to show him a lot of love and some family that he doesn't usually get. And we have two lovely daughters, and they hit it off great. And he has decided that he should have been a dancer um, and has been taking ballet for the last, and tango for the last seven years. And he's like 75 years old. Yes. Yes. Um, But he's pretty fit. And, um, you know, and he... Got my four-year-old some pom-poms, and she started doing some like pom-pom routines right off the bat. And he decided that that meant that the, she was sending him a, a a message to save her from the grips of her parents who wouldn't let her take ballet class because his parents didn't support his own. Anyway, just created this whole fantasy paranoid thing so that he could get into a fight with us and wrote me this really awful mean <laughs> email. This very, you know, sanctimonious talking about how we don't... It was crazy. It was a crazy Yeah, yeah, I don't sacrifice for my children, and I don't know what love is, and and it was, you know, like a tantrum. At the end of it, he was like, you know, they'll never forgive you, and and neither will I if you, you know... You deny them their dream. Yes. If you deny them my dream. Essentially, the the pom-pom dance was a silent call for help, and... uh, (laughs) Anyway, so it's hard to know how to deal with someone who's in their 70s and, you know, you don't want to take the bait, you know, but you've got to lay down the law because this is crazy. L- luckily, he lives in another country, so it's not like he's around the corner. But anyway, um, that's that's the crux of it. I mean... That's plenty. I'm taking her to the ballet to class tomorrow. Good, good. <laughs> By the way. Uncle. Uncle Michael. Yes. Um. Anyway, so Jimmy, thank you for coming on. And uh, who knows if and when this incredible episode will ever get released. <laughs> but if it does, <laughs> let, us, let us know what you think All at right. uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Reddit. Thank you, everybody who helps. Fucking Cormac, all the Facebook folk, fucking Twitter peeps with your questions. If I didn't ask a question, uh, we'll do it another time again. I'm even thinking about getting a dopey phone and doing live call-ins like it's a radio show, like real call-ins. Uh-huh. Not like a long interview, but a real quick call-in kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you should do that. That might be something that happens sooner or later. Dopey phone. Anyway, uh, fucking stay strong, Dopey Nation, and uh, fucking toodles for Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles for Chris. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Thank you very much. Anytime. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desires all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had 
And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had it's all I ever had, and these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, 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 and these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.